He's one of the world's most respected business experts, Jeffrey Hazlett. I want to take you behind the scenes on what's happening in business today. And whether you're on Main Street or Wall Street, we're going to find out the secrets behind their success. This is All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, this is Jeffrey Hazlett with All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Today's guest is from New Jersey, graduated with a degree in education. Now, her educational degree didn't help her too much in high school where she said she got straight D's and then went off to college and had 20 jobs by the time she turned 23. She took a $1,000 loan from her boyfriend to start what became the Corcoran Group and later turned that into a multi-million dollar powerhouse, selling it in 2001 for $66 million. She's the author of several very successful bestsellers. She's a columnist for More Magazine, The Daily Review, and Red Book. She has been featured on tons of shows, not just this one, but Larry King and so many others. And I'm talking about the star of Shark Tank herself, Miss Barbara Corcoran. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by Fortinet. Hey, Barbara, welcome, and thanks so much for being on the show. i got to ask you the first question. You actually had a quote that I read. It says, I have a theory, and I really believe it. I think mm-hmm. your worst weakness can become your greatest single strength. What, Absolutely. Yeah, what's your work, worst weakness? Well, my worst weakness is I'm nervous all the time about not being prepared uh, simply because I was never able to read when I was in grammar school. I, I didn't learn to read or write until I was in fifth grade. So I was the school dunce. And so being asked to read out loud, which was typical in those days, I, yep. I don't know if they do it anymore. Uh, for me, They should. My, they really should. Oh, I don't know about that. You, I'd have to argue against that if you're a slow reader. But I, for me, that was where I learned shame, you know, in a, in a situation yeah. where people are measured, kids are measured by how well they could do math and read. Uh, I got labeled that dunce. And so I learned mortification. So I never want to be mortified again. So yeah. I overprepare for everything I do in my life. And believe me, that has helped me build my career tremendously because I don't ever want to go back there. Do, do people, because of some of that, because um, that still probably comes through from time to time where you think it comes through from time to time, do they underestimate you? Um, yes, I think people do um, because I'm underestimating underestimating myself, frankly. And people can pick up on that vibe. You know, people I find are a lot smarter than you think they are. If you walk into a situation and you're insecure, everybody kind of knows you're insecure if you're trying to do business. And so that insecurity uh, was my best friend because people underestimated me. But then because of my over-preparation, I was able to slam back, land on my feet, and wow everybody. And so, yeah. It was it's, good, actually. You know, I think we're a it lot more good, but it was good. Yes. Yeah, I think we're yeah exactly right, and I think we're a lot more animalistic than what we think. I I think we almost like give off these uh, chemical or something that we subconsciously oh, pick yeah. up, and we know you, you you know like you and I have met a couple of times different places, mm-hmm. and, and we hit it off immediately. And that, I yeah, think, well, no, yeah. I just think you it's a little bit vibe. of a chemistry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think if you if you exhibit that kind of insecurity or you're not prepared, people people they can sense it, see you're sweating, so to speak. 
You know what? I don't even think there's anything wrong with uh, looking insecure. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I now even fake it. When I'm giving a public <laughs> speech, I must say, if I have a room full of thousands of people and I feel like I'm not connecting with the audience, I'll actually stop, say, I'm sorry, wait for me a minute. I'm a little nervous right here. And I could feel the groundswell of people coming up onto the stage and hugging me. Oh, you know? that's cool. Yeah, so, you can feel an audience. You really yeah, can. I think you have to be yourself more yeah. than anything. If you're insecure, you name it. Hey, I'm scared to death. Who yeah. hasn't been there in, in any situation? Know, so people go, like you for being yourself. Yeah, I go. I can do a 150 keynotes a year, and I'm always going to the bathroom 10 times before I get up there, so <laughs> I know exactly. That. Well, I don't have that problem, thank God, because I've got the whole pantyhose thing going. Uh, oh, well, that's it. Yeah, well, I won't go there. Mike on my waistline. Yeah. yeah, I won't go there. I won't go there. <laughs> okay. Hey, what would surprise people the most to learn about you? Gosh, I, I I honestly can't um, mention anything. I'm such an open book. I never hide anything. But you, but you, you know what? I found yeah. out that I was reading in the background. I didn't know about you, but now I get it. When you say the stuff you were talking about in your younger days, you're kind mm-hmm. of a neat freak, aren't you? <laughs> That's funny. No one's asked me that. But, God, that is definitely true. What? Actually, I'm sitting in my radio closet at the office here, and I have probably 18 bookcases around me, and every single bookcase is color-coded. Oh. I item. Oh, yeah, I'm going to You would drive right? me crazy, but, no, I, but no, I would no, love no, it. No. I would actually I'd love it. I'd get you though. in line. Yeah. You know, you'd like it for a week, then I'd get you in line. We'd fight like I do with my husband yeah. for the last 28 years, but after 15, he got neat. Yeah, my, my wife's the opposite. She's better at that than I am. I'm a mess when we're at home. But when we're in the <laughs> hotel rooms together, because we travel a lot together, we have a rule that yeah. wherever we're at for more than three days, she's with me. And it's oh, just, nice it, it's, it's a great rule. And, uh, you know, because I know me, I wouldn't want to be married to me. So she, it's a great thing to have with her. Mm, so, but yeah, I, think I, I might heard. I that rule. That's it, a good one. You should try that. You know, one yeah, of the yeah, other yeah. things uh, I found out about you is you don't like gadgets and things, but you like Dustbuster. And that's where I kind of picked up on this neat <laughs> thing. That is so funny. Yeah. Where are you turning up your research? I have I good people. from online. You know you what it's like. You have to have good people. Yeah. Good people really make it happen. <laughs> But do you really okay, have well, a dustbuster? Dust, you go I around have the a house. Dustbuster in every room. Yeah, already on the wall. It's like a permanent fixture behind a piece of furniture. It's great. Should... I've got kids. I've got a nine-year-old. I have a lot of company. I don't like people to be particular. I feel like they can't mess. And so I just pull out my dustbuster. I feel powerful with do, the dustbuster in my hand. Do you hand. do like I do? Like on the holidays, and relatives come over. When I'm tired of them, I want them to leave. I just pull out the mops and the <laughs> oh, no, vacuum cleaner. I don't cleaner. use it that way. I, I do and it. I'm not copying you on that. I love company. Yeah. Well, I do too. And let me ask you a question. Speaking about company. You're on Shark Tank, which I talked about, and uh, in the opening. And you've done really great. It's a great franchise. I know Damon. I know Mark. I've met the other, some of the cast members, but those guys have been people I've done business with over the you years. You met my two favorites. There you yeah. have it. Mark you, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, um, and Damon. Damon and I live in the same building. I'm kind of like his older brother. So You're I, kidding. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to check you out yeah, the, report yeah. on all your secrets. There was, I'm going to get even. Scary, scary. Well, which do you guys, do you get along with them all? I mean, you kind of have a few, at of least course. one of them, right? Do you really get along? No, we all really get along. People ask that all the time, and they're almost disappointed to hear we all get along. But let me tell you, the reality is is we're shooting 10-hour days one day after another. We're listening to 10, 14 pitches a day that run 45 minutes to an hour and a half. It's tedious, tough work. We not only have to perform well on camera, which you're always aware of with those giant cameras in your face, but you're also spending your own money and being asked to make a snap judgment on someone that will put you money on the table. It's a high-pressure job. So you know what we have in common? All of the above. 
And so when we come out of that foxhole at the end of the day, it's like, phew, got through another day. And what do we do? We all have a beer or a glass of wine together, and then we go to bed, and we do the same thing the next day. How could you not like someone? It's like being in the Army. But every once in a while, you get like a pair of Army boots. They get smelly every (laughs) once in a while, I can imagine, too. No, no, the guys could do that, but the girls have to wear (laughs) high heels. Forget about that. There's a double standard, for sure. You know, um, it's tough to tell people they got a really bad idea. Is it tough for you to do that? Uh, no, I think everything's in how you say it. I'm a big believer in saying, hey, I get it, but I think there's too much competition. Hey, I get it, but I don't think you have the kind of stamina or, or aggressiveness or competitiveness spirit to really get to the finish line, so I'm out. I mean, I really think you do people a favor. Yeah. Uh, go get a day job. Uh, no, I know you spent your kid's college education already on this business, spent four years, and you haven't made a dime. Give it up. I don't think I'm as good at it, of course, as, of course, Kevin is, who's terrific like take it out in the backyard and shoot it yeah. he's always telling people that so i don't have to really perform that role too much yeah he's um, the he's no. the debbie downer when it comes oh, to that kind of stuff but he's terrific he he's tells vicious it like it is he's consistent and you have to love him for it well you got at least he's playing that role i don't know that i would want to play that role all the time i i tend to be more like you i like to give them some hope of at least get, go find your passion but at the same time mm-hmm. the, your passion's not here my friend you're never yeah, ending you're, on a positive note is not a bad idea in all business transactions and all people interactions but kevin is not of that school for sure he no. likes to yeah just you know kill what him. he does yeah he likes to yeah. kill me but he like and then he likes to bury the hole and then You're have a party on top me. of their uh, grave i mean that's the biggest problem No, but here here's the truth about kevin out of all the sharks if someone said who's the pushover i'd say kevin in real life when his wife walks on that set you could see him visibly shake in his shoes he's afraid well, <laughs> he is a pushover hey most men are like that what are you talking about <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but at the same, do you use that same thing when you had a big real estate agency and you were all over New York before you sold out back in what was it, 2001? Yeah. Um, you had a lot of people that were working for you as the head broker of that operation. Yeah, eleven hundred. Yes. Yeah. Was there a hundred people? Is that what it was? Eleven hundred. Eleven hundred. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 a lot of people. Having owned a real estate business years ago. Uh, with oh, you family. did. Yeah, with Another the family. Crazy person. Yeah, yeah. Well, my mother and my father were in the in the business in their second and third careers. That's what oh. they did. So yeah, absolutely. You inherited the family's business. Uh, no, I really didn't get into it, but I did get involved with them on stuff, and I did take mm-hmm. I did go and take the real estate test and the whole bit, but uh, never mm-hmm. pursued that stuff. Well, well, let me God ask you about the people. child who has his own. You did something on your own. It's always better. Yeah, I think so. I yeah. think so. And mm-hmm. you follow what you you're good at, and I wasn't as good at that, and I didn't want to do the numbers and all the stuff. Let me ask you about the people though, because. Because just like you're standing up at Shark Tank and you're doing that with, you know, those people about their businesses, you got to do that with people, too, don't you? You mean in, in the real estate brokerage? Yeah, in the, in the brokerage business. you got to tell people, look, you're not cut out for this. I mean... Uh, let me tell you something. The key in the real estate brokerage field, I believe, are two things. One, you got to be able to spot talent. And when you think about it, the great majority of the people that come into real estate brokerage have either done nothing else because they've raised their family, women returning to the workforce. That's a major recruiting ground. And then the second is gentlemen who have done something else failed at it and I want to try their hand at real estate. Not the easiest hiring pool. So I think the most key 
talent, if you're going to run a brokerage firm and build a business that way, is you have to be able to spot talent without a lot to go on. You don't have a sales record. So how do you know this guy or this gal is going to sell well when, when they could most notably not sell well because nine out of ten people that go into the business never really make a living? Well, I think so that how applies, do you find that out? Well, I yeah. think that applies to every business. I don't think, I mean, it could be just as good in a oh, Dunkin' possibly. Donuts franchise as it could be anywhere. I mean, so. Really? Gee, I thought if you buy a Dunkin' Donuts, I love those damn donuts. I thought for sure you were destined for success. Who could resist them? Boy, we're already working in a shameless plug for my sponsor, which is awesome. Thank you for doing that already. Oh, that's so. right. I had two donuts this morning, ironically. I had a photo shoot in my office early this morning, and they fortunately brought a big jug of that delicious Dunkin' Donut coffee, which I always like. They never change it. And then two big bags of those donuts. I had a jelly donut and a sugar-coated one. I love them. My well, two favorites are in the bag. I'm going to get this is two commercials towards Duncan already. There we go. And I'm having some... <laughs> I'm actually... I'm actually... Uh, I do charge them. Absolutely. There's no things. You know, American runs on well, Duncan. And, money, and, and this show runs on money. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Donuts, they're helpful, but I tell you, it runs on money. Let me ask you a qu- another question, because I think it applies to all people. And I want to get into... Yeah. I, I go out and ask a lot of fans questions, and they come back and ask Ask, you know, give me some great ones. And you, it was unbelievable the number of questions I got when I said you were going to be on the show. Jason mm-hmm. Lynch, who's in the uh, uh, hotel business, I think he still works at the Ritz. I, last time I saw him, he said, mm-hmm. how can a new shark be more like you and less vicious than Mark and Mr. Wonderful? No, first off, uh, Mark is can be pretty vicious, even yeah. in real life. He's, he's a, a big guy, guy, too. He's a very big guy. He's the only big guy. He's six foot tall, and he looks like a monster. Oh, he's I'm bigger than foot six five. foot. No, he's... he's yeah. I know, I know, Mark. He's got to be about six three, six four. No way, no way. Really? He just carries himself with confidence. I just—he's so I, full of bullshit. Now, now I'm going to so text big. him when we get off and say how tall are you <laughs> for sure. In fact, if I had my phone in this radio closet, I'd text him right now. We'd answer that question. But you know why he looks so big on the shark shark tank set is because all the men are shorter than me, and I'm only five foot five. Yeah, we they, have a shark tank full of midgets, except for Mark. <laughs> well, well, let's get over that vicious question. I think we just switched. It to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're not supposed to say midgets, little people, or whatever. We, yeah. have, we have very short people on that set. <laughs> hey, let me let me ask you. Ch- Chastity Colton asked a question and said, "Is there a contestant on Shark Tank that you regret not getting? If you yes. could have a business decision redo, what would it be?" Oh, that those are great questions. That's a great question. There's one gal, and it was a, a gosh, I should remember her name to give her a compliment here, uh, but she makes wedding runners, customized wedding runners for weddings, you know, to go down the middle aisle of the church. Oh. She was so buttoned up, so tough, so on top of her thing, but she came into Shark Tank at 4.30 in the afternoon, about an hour and a half before mm. we were going to wrap, and yeah. we had been there since 7 a.m. You're punchy. So I was tired, yeah. I bought a lot of businesses, and the men hated her, and I'm going to tell you, they hated her for only one reason. She came right back at him, tougher than the guy ever would. Yep. Yep. And so everybody went out, and I felt guilty that I didn't go in. It's just I was out to spend for the day. I had spent so much when I was getting nervous. Well, you know, on business... She left the set, but she's been on my mind ever since. Hey, business, timing's everything. Right? Yep. I mean, yeah, look well, at Mark Cuban's business. By the way, we just looked up on Wikipedia, right? We're sitting here six foot three. I'm right. You owe me a no cup of dog. Yep. I told you. I told you. Wow. You, I'm you, shocked. Yep. I'm going to cut him down to size when I see him. That's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Here's another one. Trish Matson um, asked this question, and I think she, I, she, I actually know what the business she's in. She's a busy Lizzie uh, bakery, so I'll, I'll throw that out there. Uh, mm. What are they? They do a, a flourish bakery, which is really cool. What mm, are the three yeah, top? What are the three top things you look for when considering whether or not to invest in an entrepreneur who's doing something that no one else in the country is doing? Of course, she's talking about 
their particular product. So what, what do you of look for? Of course. I'm sure that's not the case either. Uh, it, it, absolutely flowers, not. Bakeries. Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you whether it's been done a million times before or whether it's never been done before? I'm not looking at the business. I'm looking at the entrepreneur. And what I'm always looking for is the same old, same old. I'm looking for someone with super high energy, only because I've never seen anyone succeed who didn't have super high energy. So if yeah. you get someone who's lackluster on their feet, forget it. I'm out right away mentally the minute they start talking and I pick up their energy. I'm also looking for someone who looks the part. I remember getting a guy on Shark Tank, he had high energy, had a great business, but he was in the shrimp business and he actually showed up on set with a dirty white apron on. That was like, but unbelievable to me. Mm. I was out the minute I laid eyes on him. Like, couldn't he have gotten a clean apron, a new apron? Yeah. 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 And then the third one, which I really should say the first one, is I'm watching to see how good they are at taking a hit. When someone takes a hit and they're right back at you, you've got a great entrepreneur in front of you. When someone takes a hit and they take a while to feel sorry for themselves, quietly or publicly through moaning and groaning, they're never going to make it in business. The key quality to every one of my most successful entrepreneurs is, boy, they almost have a low IQ. They take a hit, you slam them (laughs) down, you can't keep them down, they come back up and say, hit me again. I mean, not literally, but figuratively. And you know what? That's what I'm after because on those businesses, I'm making money on every one of them. When I have someone who goes on a powder puff or whatever that's called. You go off and feel sorry for yourself. Oh my God, this is so unfair. Forget it. That's someone who's never going to hit the finish line. Never, ever. I I love that. And I love the fact that you said there's got to be somebody else in the business. I always tell entrepreneurs and people that are looking for valuations, I I invest in companies. I want you to have the biggest, baddest, meanest M M and F and uh, competitor that's out there because that tells me there's a market for it. It also helps you. Yeah, exactly, because, yeah, you're up against the big giant, and that's a good thing. And motivation's a wonderful deal when you get into that stuff. Oh, motivation's so important. But, you know, you need the right personality to get motivated from the same circumstance. A lot of people don't. Yeah, Yeah. talk about taking these hits. You've taken Mm -hmm. a couple in your life. I mean, so let me take— I'm old. I took a Oh, you're not old. You're just—you're seasoned, and you're fighting all the time. Seasoned. I'll use that. There you go. So, but but I recall, you you got started— in this business, you, you took out a thousand hour loan and you did it with your boyfriend, and your boyfriend went yeah, he out. He gave and, me the money, thank yep. God. I slept with the guy. There so you go. Well, that, anyway. we, we won't He's advocate that for everyone, okay? Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> it does work in some cases, but in this case. And, but he went <laughs> off and did his own thing, and you took the business, half the business, you went out and ran your own stuff. And then, as I recall, you weren't the first person they looked at for Shark Tank and got you on Shark Tank. No, not at all. So, no, well, I, how do you, how do you come back from person. stuff like that? How do you come back I'll when. Tell you, I, You know, I come back from stuff because what I've learned in my life, and I've learned it a hundred times again and again, is that all the good stuff only happens on the heels of failure. Every single time I had something great happen in my life, it was because of some rejection that preceded it. And without the rejection, I would have never had the idea of what I did to overcome it. And it was in the overcoming that I got pushed ahead, either personally or professionally. So when I got that email from Mark Burnett Productions, the biggest producer in Hollywood, yeah. Would I consider being on this new show and it described what the show was? I signed that contract without even looking at a line of it. I wasn't going to debate it. Of course I'm going to do it. This is what an opportunity. But it wasn't until four days before I was going to Hollywood with my new, four new beautiful outfits I bought for signing autographs. I was like a Pollyanna type <laughs> girl. I went. And I was all set to go and then got the next email, which was, I'm sorry, we've changed our mind. We've hired another woman. 
Yeah. I couldn't believe it, all right? But as usual, because now I'm in the habit of taking a hit, I can take a hit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, really? And I sat right down and wrote him an email, not vicious, but boom, to the point, telling him I thought his rejection was a lucky charm because everything good happened to me after a rejection. I talked about Sister Stella Marie telling me I'd be stupid. I told him about the Bull Boys Network not letting me in the real estate scene in New York, and I became the number one rival. I told him about Donald Trump saying I'd never see a penny of the $4 million dollar commission he owed me and I beat him in federal court. So I told him, and I said, I considered this a lucky charm and I yep. hope to be on that plane to compete with the other babe. And you know what? He invited me out. Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. But what caused that to happen? This whole new career I have was simply the same old thing I do very well. I know how to stand up and just keep pushing forward. All right. Really? Okay. Well, how about this? Yeah. Move exactly. forward and move forward. You know? well, and, Mark and you know what? I might just say, if you don't mind adding one ahead. other thing, that every one of my top 10 entrepreneurs who are making themselves a lot of money, growing big businesses and making me money as they go, every single one of them, that is their number one thing. They have that hard wire in them the way I have it in me. And that's, again, back to the earlier question. That's what I'm looking for. Well, Mark, you know, he likes a fighter. He's a former paratrooper. And I, I remember. I, oh, yeah. I remember. He's a former he fought, Danny, he told me. Oh, he's done a lot of things. Did a lot of oh, infomercials boy. early on. Did a lot of business they didn't need to do, didn't want to do, had to do in order wow, to make talk it about raise high up. high energy, by the way. When you meet that guy, it's bouncing out of every pore, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. He's like, he's high yeah. on caffeine. He needs to think decaf, Mark, decaf. <laughs> I, I can, okay. By the way, I remember seeing the treatment on Shark Tank about, I think it was about seven years ago when I first saw the treatment, and they were looking at host and looking at doing it differently. And I yeah, remember, did, I yeah. remember sitting down with Mark went before the show came out talking oh, about really? who might work and who might not and that's as a host and they eliminate that host yeah we idea well I, within the first day exactly in fact that they talked to me i'll tell you they we, we talked about it and i said you don't need a host you don't need mm, a host you host. said that yeah he didn't listen but he listened the yeah. next day yeah yeah hey let me ask you a question um one of the things i read well, a lot let about let me ask you a question no, oh you this is my show question? this is my show i'm asking yeah, you know, the one more question then why didn't you tell mark don't you dare reject that nice little girl in new york i city? gotta be telling you i wasn't in on those conversations or i would have if i'd have known you i would have said there's no way and it would have been mm. a nice little girl from new york it would have been a ball buster who's really making <laughs> things happen that's what <laughs> okay. i would have said so all right go go ahead go keep running your own right. damn show go ahead exactly so let me tell you let me yeah, I, I see things that you talk a lot about your mom, and yeah, you've written a couple of books where you mention your mom, and I love my the one. My hero. Yeah, what's the one? Oh, yeah, if you if you don't have big breasts, put ribbons on your pigtails and other lessons I learned from my mom. I thought that was awesome. Definitely. And, yeah. And I've read I read your last book, and so, mm -hmm. why mom over dad? You know what? My mom was the power in the family. My dad worked two jobs his whole life, so mm -hmm. not to take anything from my father. Uh, and you know what my father, to give him his moment of glory here, because he's mm -hmm. watching over me, I'm sure, with my mom. Yep. Uh, what's great about uh, being raised by my particular dad was he worked for uh, someone his whole life. He was a printing press foreman, his oh, day really? job. And he really? got fired constantly. And you know, when he came home from work early, not at 6 o'clock when he always came home, but came home at 4 or 5, we knew what had happened. He had been fired. Mm -hmm. And we'd all run to the table, all 10 kids, and, and wait for him to talk because he, he was a strict dad. And he'd say, guess what, kids? And we'd all scream, you were fired? <laughs> and he'd go, that's right. I told old Mrs. Stein to take it and shove it up is where the moon doesn't shine. <laughs> 
And we would go, yay, Dad, like he was our heroes. My mother wondered how the heck she was going to feed her 10 kids for the exactly. next month while he found another job. So he was a great example of insubordination, hated working for someone. And he's got 10 kids, nine of whom are in business for themselves. That was no accident. Yeah. But back to my mother. So that's what was great about my dad. Okay, He had that iron stick up his butt, really, or yeah. up his back or whatever. My mom, on the other hand, was extremely positive and really always said what was good in us. She never arbitrated fights. She never told us what was bad in us, but we were good kids. She was strict as could be. But from her, we learned to be inspired because she always brought out what was best in you and ignored what was bad in you. So when I had the reading issue and writing issue, most parents would be upset and, oh, well, you got to really button up. You got. She said to me, don't worry about it. Take it off your plate. That's an amazing response to a mother who, with a kid who can't read. And she said, you know, Barbara, you have such a wonderful imagination. You're going to learn to fill in all the blanks. And she was right. I am the best baloney thrower I know. I can think of anything to fill in the blank. But I don't know if it was a God-given gift or she named it and brought it out me because she always put me in that role in the family. You know, I had to perform all the time my imagination gifts for everybody to solve problems with my imagination. And so my mom overall in my life was a true inspiration. And I basically mimicked her in every way she operated her household when I was building the Corcoran Group. And all of her common sense solutions to everything worked perfectly for a business. And so she is just a remarkable, a remarkable woman. And that's why I always talk about her. That's Everything cool. you could mention to me, I could say, well, you know what my mother did? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you know, I had a, a situation yesterday, a good friend who was managing a, a medium-sized business, and she was complaining to me that two, two of her, I guess, managers of sorts from different departments were constantly putting her in the middle. And what did I say? I said, you should do what my mother did. She used to say, if we went to her for help, she'd say, you're both punished. So just bring them both in your office like I always did and say, <laughs> you're not getting along. Figure it out or you're both fired. And yeah, that's, that's what my friend called me late in the day. She said, I did it. They're getting along. Yeah, but, but you know, my I, mother, not I, me. You know, yeah, but I'm hearing her. a little bit of both in there. I hear, I hear the, the mom for the inspiration. I hear your father like, uh, let me get in your face. So yeah, I, that's true. My father was very confrontational, no yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, you can see a little bit, but you have to be that way in New York. I mean, look, New first York. of all, you're you were. I want to say this, and I, I don't want you to get upset, but you were I a don't woman. Get upset about anything. You were a woman what? in you New York. What? Come on, that, and that you had to have a big mouth and be pushy and shove, but you got to do that with your man or a woman in New York, right? You know what? Um, my mom was wrong on one thing she lectured us about because she was a devout Catholic, and she always said the meek will inherit the earth. It must be in the Bible somewhere. Yeah, it is. And it you know is. What? It is? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, she read the Bible. I had the opposite experience. I lived in New York. The minute I was in New York for more than 10 minutes, I could see that that was not true in New York. You know what happened? If you were meek in any way, you got run over, jumped on, and pushed to the corner, okay? So I had to teach myself to speak up, which did not come easily because I was taught to be very quiet and lovely and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? I did have my father's example, and I guess you're right about that. And that was buried somewhere in, and I brought it out of, out of my toolbox the minute I got to New York. And it has helped me tremendously. That chutzpah piece that New York brings out in all of us, or it sends you away crying. One or the other. No, extreme choices, right? Yep, I, and I love that quote that you just mentioned. Let me ask you a question. There's another question from a fan. I didn't know it was a quote. I just said it. No, you had a quote. There was a quote. It was a quote, and I pulled it out. I got it here. It says, "In New York City, the meek don't inherit the earth; the big no, mouth okay. does." That's what. Okay, it, that's what I heard. So, okay. so in that case, you're going to be really good, and you already are. So, hey, there yeah. you go. So, Bennett Bayer, who's the chief mm -hmm. marketing officer of a forty billion dollar company, uh, mm -hmm. Huawei, which is a Chinese company, he wrote mm -hmm. in on the C-suite now. 
Network, and he asked, Miss Corcoran has cited Cousins Maine Lobster providing the best pitch to sharks, that they were mm. smart coming on. So, so he, he wants to know what made them so smart. Do you remember that one? Uh, how could I ever forget? It was the best pitch because they're rock solid. And you know why they were so terrific? They told me after I bought into their business, they said they had watched every episode of Shark Tank uh-huh. and had written down every question that any shark had ever asked any entrepreneur and they had developed two different answers to each question and they role played and practiced with with each other one a shark one a cousin one a cousin one a shark so when they sat on that set do you know the one question not a single shark including me ever asked them was the most common question how long have you been in business no one asked because they're so solid and on top of what they were doing and they had only been in business three months if they had been asked how long have you been in business they probably would have had a way of couching it but they would have had to say three months and that would have been, three months that would have been a red flag blah, 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 yeah. a deal killer yeah. but you know what they were so buttoned up in practice that they were they were unshakable and rock solid and that's why everybody wanted to buy into their business and thank god they took my deal because they're one of my most probably them and one other which is grace and lace are competing for number one spot in my heart as most successful hey, have you broken even on all those investments I have collectively broken even, but you have to appreciate in the first two years on Shark Tank, and we're going now into our seventh season next year, I probably lost $2 million in two years, and I Mm. wasn't making money on anything. I didn't know what I was doing until the light bulb went off in my head, and I realized, wait, this is the same thing as picking great salespeople. Let me pretend they're all superstars, and who would I hire? Mm. And once I got that firm in my head, I started picking the right people and ignoring the businesses. And, and, the businesses and, will make it if you have the right people. I don't care what you're selling. Yeah, exactly right. It doesn't make a difference if it's a box of soap, a cure for disease, political candidates. Mm-hmm. If you package it right and you got people who can sell it, it's really good. And if you could sell, yeah. Yeah, the key is always selling. I had a, a, you know, a chief technology officer once, a partner of mine, says, you know, I w- you wouldn't have anything if it weren't for me, me huh. building it. And I said, you know what, it, it, you wouldn't have anything if I didn't sell it. So uh, yeah. that was, and he realized right then he'd been making a big mistake. Hey, oh, uh, I would have finished that conversation with, and by the way, screw you. <laughs> I would have been annoyed. Woo. Wait, did I thought you got a selfie from uh, Mr. Wonderful that basically said that? Uh, from, that's what I remember <laughs> yes. reading about. Well, that's true. You're right yeah. about that. Hey, so uh, we do our homework here. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah, you are very thorough. You're oh. making me nervous. I'm, I'm wondering what else you're going to turn up. I have a lot more stuff, but I don't want to get Uh-oh. too too deep. But because we, I'm going to, I'm going to have to have you back because we're still having so much fun. But we're not done yet. I'm uh, not having any fun. All right. Well, yes, you are. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> you know, this is fun. Any anytime we get to tell people about what we do and how to do it better. Don't you feel yeah. better about that, don't you? I of mean, that's, course. That's a big you feel part like you're lending like. a hand, it all comes around, right? Yeah, but it also sharpens you, too, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, you're it, right about that. It, it, it really gets you honed in on what your real beliefs are and principles that mm, you start to develop. Well said. Because you, you, get, you get a little wishy-washy sometimes. We do get a little, uh, you know, teary-eyed or somebody grabs us or something, and we think, oh, there's a pony in there somewhere, knowing there's never a <laughs> pony in there somewhere. <laughs> you're right you about know, that. But we always want to ride that. Hey, Sanana, uh, Sanaa Aberask, and she runs a great restaurant. I've been there. It's one of my favorite ones. And she wrote in, and these are all fans that, that I asked to write in questions. He goes, that's a great question, Barbara. How does a business know when it's time for the next big step to get the sky? So that's a scale question. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. how do you know when you're ready to get to that next big? I mean, really the, roll the dice the again, is right? A simple one. No, no, no. The, the answer, I believe, is a simple one. The minute you think about it, you're already overdue. 
If you're thinking, I wonder if I should open this office, I wonder if I should hire this person, of course you should. Because the only way to really grow a business is to grow, to do each thing early, to do it before you need it, to get out there before the rest of the gang gets out, your competitors and things of it. Because it's an amazing thing that happens in day-to-day work. If you're any good at your trade, you're always overwhelmed by what you're doing. You have too much work for the hours in your day and your energy level, even if you have a ton of energy, right? Mm -hmm. So something's got to give. And the thing that gives more often that you don't get around to is the next big idea, the next big angle, the next big uh, reach up and get uh, a reach up higher. And I always believe, and and I, I do it with my entrepreneurs, I certainly practice it with myself. The minute I'm thinking about it becomes my A priority to get it done right away. Because if you don't get it done right away, when you think about, I wonder if I should... If you don't do it right then there, life has a funny way of letting all the minutia crap that's on your desk and over your chest get in the way. So you got to grab them. You know how I see them? It's like a visualization. When I have an idea like that, I think of it as a white feathery bird whoom, flying by my eyes really quickly. And what I want to do is I want to grab it and land it right then and there before it gets away. Whereas all your other stuff is going to sit there and wait in line and be on your to-do list and blah, blah, blah. But those are the gifts that really push your life and your business ahead. The fantasy stuff that you're a little scared about, that's always a sign. You're a little scared about, oh, I wonder if it's time. It is. It's overdue. you got to do it. That's why your intuition is letting it pop in your head in the first place. So that's my own attitude toward that. And I really believe it works, certainly when it's applied to business. And I also believe it works with life. Your intuition gets you on the right track with everything, not the logic, the weighing, the pros, the cons. I mean, that's the Harvard MBA approach I just don't believe in. Right. I don't think it really works. you got to trust your own intuition and move quickly on the big ideas, whether you know they're going to work or not. you got to try them out because that's where all the gold is. Yeah, and, and, and typically, if you make a mistake, no one's going to die anyway. I mean, you, you're going to make a mistake, you lose some money or whatever, it might might slow you down. But, you know, as you said, your gut is really important in oh, most of these decisions. So important. And you know what? If you make a mistake, I'm going to tell you, if you're – if you're a, a decent person who works your buns off, as most entrepreneurs are, the minute you make the mistake, you're going to think of an angle to save face so you don't feel embarrassed. You're going to think of an angle to try to make the best of it. And it's always in that sweet spot that I have found my best ideas. Oh, yeah. And it wouldn't have happened without the rejection, without the mistake, without the falling on the head. Well, it never would have happened. It's causing tension. I believe in tension. Tension's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm pushing it. Let me... In the New York Times, they had a recent article on the real estate market, and it was uh, real interesting. They wrote, they talked about real sharks, the oligarchs, mm-hmm. that some of the mm-hmm. questionable characters that are buying up the land and property here. And have you ever been asked to do something that was wrong? Uh, no, um, have I? Probably, but I can't think of it. Because she didn't know it, at the time, evidently. No, no, I probably knew at the time and dismissed it and got away from it, because mm-hmm. I do have my mom in me who was like a Mother Teresa in morals, okay? So I can't shake that. So I think I have a nose for smelling it and maybe avoiding it before it even comes up. But I do distinctly remember, as a young broker, being tempted to do something wrong. Yeah. And, and I'm even ashamed that I even dwelled on it. But I got a call. I was... All the, all the calls I ever got were in New York City from New York City folks. Mm-hmm. That was the nature of the business. Yep. But I get a call from uh, an attorney who is representing an estate of someone who had passed away out in the Midwest, and they owned a building on the corner of 96th to 97th on Park Avenue. Now, that was like a red line district in those days. Yeah. Now it's nice, right? Yep. But anyway, it was a big apartment building, and he asked me, and I don't even know how he found but he asked me if I would sell it, all right, and what it was worth. 
And I went up and looked at the building. I had no idea how to appraise multi-unit buildings, but I knew I could find someone. But I actually had the thought, I bet I could tell them anything. Yeah. I bet I could tell them anything and get people to buy it with me and own this building. Mm-hmm. And that that I had that thought was amazing. And then, of course, I referred them to a proper commercial broker who knew what the heck they were doing. Yeah. And I they don't did know the right thing. of that. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the right yeah. thing. But what a wrong thing to even think that way. Well, sometimes I think those thoughts, uh, the little temptation goes through your mind. But if you if you, if you got a good course, a good compass, you know, you typically steer to it. Hey, l- let me ask you some rapid-fire questions real quick. Ooh, you're pretty fat. Rapid fire already. If you well, this is thing. easy. So is it? So let me have you pick a couple of different things. Is it condo Ooh, or co-op? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, not yeah. always, but that yeah, condo or co-op. I'd always condo is a better way to go. But I just signed a contract yesterday on a new co-op. So okay, cool. Here, okay. Here's a here's a Shark Tank question. It's a, a fish of the sea. Jaws or Finding Nemo? Oh, Jaws is terrific. <laughs> it's a great movie, isn't it? The first one, not the second or the third. You know, the Most 3D. Of the music You're, is what's great. In that. Uh, yeah, oh, boom, the music. Boom, boom. They in, oh, I can remember watching yeah. the first time when that when that guy's head fell out of the boat under the water. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Hey, what's swimming, a st- swimming forever in the ocean in my book. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Especially in Long Island. Um, oh, yeah. Hey, the strangest property you ever tried to rent or sell? Mm, was the modest state the top two floors of the Galleria on East, 70, East 57th Street because he literally had cows grazing on the roof. Get out. In New York? I swear to God. In New York City. What you kind of cow? I don't even know. Brown and white. Are you sure they were cows and not like goats or something? No, they were cows. Yeah, they Seriously. Were cows. Definitely. Yep. Did you uh, have pictures well, of that? I would love what? pictures of that. That pictures no, I don't would be have cool. pictures of it. I didn't think I, I almost didn't believe my own eyes. I mean, the building insisted to get rid of them, and he did, and then he wasn't living there anymore. So it's basically a glitzy, uh, vacated apartment, very dark with heavy drapes. Why would, uh, why? Was, Just do you have cows for pets or something? Uh, he was a weirdo. Yeah. You know, he's one of these yeah. weird people, rich, weird guy. Yeah. yeah you have a I lot of those. I never met him. I dealt through his handlers. I never met the man. My my weirdest uh, real estate thing was I had a print printing. Your dad was in the printing business. I used to have a printing yes, business. Yes, yeah. And mm-hmm. I used to have a printing business. I had a printing business that was located in a former strip joint. Um, and and downstairs, <laughs> downstairs, they had these little rooms. I'm not sure whatever it did in those little rooms downstairs. They had pink pink shag carpet and i remember on one of the doors i wouldn't let them remodel it it said goodbye sioux falls this was sioux falls south dakota goodbye sioux falls from countess labelle and i left the handwriting up there yeah (gasps) yeah oh of course you did you had the decency to leave it yeah well you got to have some of that history (laughs) hey what what gadget wouldn't you live without well you already named it is it it the dust buster seriously yeah for sure Mm -hmm. yeah that that's like is that your favorite one your ipod you like an ipod you listen to music all the time. Yeah. All the time. What kind of the music do you listen to? I listen to whatever my brother Eddie loves, which is two, who's two years younger than me, because I send him my iPod by mail every maybe two, three years. He updates <laughs> it. So whatever he's into, I'm into. Is that right? He has the time. He loves it. He's like my dad who loves music, and I get the advantage of that. Do you even know how that. to turn on a computer? Yes, of course. I well, live I'm on asking. my you, iPad. You s- yeah. I text all day long on my iPhone. I hate it all, but of course, how could you be in business without yeah, you, that? You like to disconnect a little bit, though, don't you? I mean, Of course yeah, I do. In yeah. fact, I put a plug outside my apartment door, and when I go in home at night, because I have a nine-year-old, and my son, he's 21, but he's not living with us now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I plug in my iPhone 
right at the door before I go in. I don't look at it till I'm leaving the next day. Otherwise, it robs you of all your privacy, your personal home life, and it doesn't allow you to relax. Yeah, yeah I definitely believe you got to unplug. A lot of that. Hard today. Yep. Uh, my wife and I have some rules about that. When we go to dinner and things like that, I'm not allowed to do certain things. And, oh, good idea. You know, I'd kill you if you dare took out your phone at a dinner table. Yeah, that's a, that's a good rule. It my mother ended. My mother or my father would have just slapped me across the table for that. Kind of <laughs> they didn't have to contend with that, exactly. though. So, hey, Broadway or Hollywood? Oh, I like Hollywood. Come on, I spent enough weeks out there. Yeah, you like the glitz, the glamour. And what's your biggest guilty pleasure? If you could, you know, do anything or have anything, what would it be? A glass of wine with dinner when no one in my household drinks, including my husband. Is that right? I feel guilty every time, but I love what's your What's your Pinot favorite Grigio. wine? Pinot Grigio. Is it your white wine? Yeah. You're a white wine. Person. Yeah, icy cold. Yep. I like it cold too. I like sweet wines. I like the cold sweet. You wine. do? Yeah. One of the few. I think they're going out of business, if not for you. All oh, those little Canadian ice wines and all those great, great sweet wines. I love those. And well, I like any kind of wine, but I'm in, that's me. <laughs> it's funny. Kevin O'Leary, who's from Canada, gave me a whole case of six different sweet wines. I told him I love them, but between you and I, I threw them all away. They were terrible. I should have sent them to you. You should have sent them to me. Not only that, those Canadian ice wines, some of them go for like $10,000 a bottle, but I don't think he's the kind of guy that's spending that kind of money. No, he's a cheapskate. They're probably a dollar a piece. (laughs) Well, he probably got them for free to give to people, uh, knowing that guy. It's a re-gift. Of course, we all do that. He re-gifted. Yeah, he's a re-gifter. That's what he is. That's what he is. Hey, Barbara, it's a pleasure. I tell you, you know, I met you on the set of Bloomberg, and then I uh, got invited to your- a while ago. Yeah, I got invited to- to your kickoff this last season uh, by Damon, got a chance to visit with you because uh, you were just surrounded by fans and you are just a powerhouse. And I appreciate you spending some time with us. And I want to have you back sometime because we have too you're, much fun. You're a lot of fun, Jeffrey. All right. No and may I com- compliment you on one thing? You really prepare for this. Well, no you know, I, f- I feel like, you know, but I have a similar background to you. I was not the brightest student in the world. And, mm, and couldn't tell now. Yeah, and just just like you, I found that those people who prepare always get ahead. Oh, especially in your business. It's the key to a good interview, without a doubt. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. You've been a pleasure. You're um, a goddess and just a successful business person all the way around. And okay, but don't I, mention the damn mug of the, the dust buster anymore. Well, I, well, hey, you, you know what? You should go after them for a sponsorship or something. I mean, you <laughs> oh, think God. about it. Think I want to exaggerate that piece of my personality. I don't think hey, so. Hey, step into <laughs> it. Step into it. All right. Okay. We'll see you later. Cheers. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Well, if you're still listening with me, you can tell that I really enjoyed that interview, not because of just the person, but the information. Now, the person herself, wow, unbelievable. You can tell the chemistry. When I met her for the very first time, I felt it, and you can hear it come through just in the microphone itself, the relationships. Even though you don't know the person, you can sense that you know the person because of what they've been through, and she's been through a lot and lots of great lessons. And the biggest lesson that I got from this one, it's people. It's always people that help you run your business, so choose wisely when you're looking for those superstars to come on your team. And if you want to reach out to me, do so on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even LinkedIn. I'm the guy that's answering all of those tweets, all of those posts, and all of those links. So come and get the good, the bad, and the ugly on All Business with Jeffrey Hazel.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.